Jesus does a work in our lives, and the only response that's appropriate is, he did what? How, how did he do that? It's an amazing thing to find out that Jesus can do all things. So today we're going to uh, conclude this passage of Scripture, or this series, using the passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. And while you're turning there, let me mention to you very quickly that next week we will have a special guest, someone that you're familiar with by now, Dr. Terrell Brinson, our Global Initiative World Missions Director, will be with us. Uh, He's not the director, but he is to us. He'll be with us next week, and we're going to be introducing what we're calling the Big Five. Over the next year, we're going to take on five projects that are both uh, worldwide and in our general vicinity, and we want to share that information with you and give you an opportunity to be a part. So Dr. Brinson will be here next week to share that with us. Also, if you don't mind, just from a pastor's heart, Will you allow me to take just a moment to thank you for your support this week during uh, the funeral service on Wednesday night, the the preparing of food and bringing it to the funeral dinner. Uh, We we know where Harvey Burton is today, and he's rejoicing in heaven with us. He's in the presence of the Lord. It's so good to see Miss Rosemary here today, and I was just sharing with her before service started that I... I can just see strength in her. And I know it's not her strength, but it's the strength of the Holy Spirit that is undergirding her during this time. And I let her know that this church loves her and and, and we're available. Anything she needs from us, we'll be willing to help in any way that we can. But you are so kind to have showed up at the funeral to make cakes and and, uh, provide services there to stop by and and to let her know that you're praying for her. This is such a loving congregation, and I thank you for that. I thank you that you never really have to know what you're thinking because you're more than willing to share your thoughts and your love with those who are in need. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for all that you did to make this week go as smoothly as it possibly could. So Matthew chapter 14 uh, beginning at verses uh, at verse 13, I want to read through uh, verse 21 today and talk about the feeding of the 5,000. Are you ready? Here we go. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and He had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowd away to go into the villages and to buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowd to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven. And he said a blessing. And he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. They all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. 
And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides or not counting the women and the children. Father, thank you for your word today. I pray that you'll help me as I speak this morning to represent it properly and that you will allow your word to, to find its way into our spirit today and to bring the encouragement and the strength and the knowledge, the understanding, the wisdom that we need today so that we can grow and mature through your word today. If there are any in this house today that need a miracle from you, I pray that you would bring it, that you would provide whatever is needed. You are able. We know you are. There's no question or doubt in our mind about that. We are full of faith knowing that if we need it, you are fully able to bring a miracle into our lives. And we expect it by faith in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. There's a story told about a young man who was preaching his first sermon in his home church. And the pastor had given him this opportunity and he decided that he would preach about the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And so he wanted to do a good job and he wrote it all word for word and he worked for weeks. He memorized every word of his script and on the day that he was prepared to give his message, he stepped into the pulpit and the very first words out of his mouth were these. He said, Jesus took 5,000 fish, or, or he, he took 5,000 loaves of bread, he took 2,000 fish, and he fed five people with them. He said, now I want to know if anybody here today could do something like that. A crotchety old man lifted his hand and he stood up and he said, with a supply like that, I believe I could. When the young preacher discovered what he had said, he was very embarrassed. He couldn't go on. And so the, parent, the, pa the pastor came up and he consoled him and he said, listen, he said, I know that it's there and it will come out right eventually. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the opportunity to share this message again next week. And so the week came and he got back up in the pulpit and he had really studied. He had prayed. He had asked the Lord to help him. And he got up and the first words out of his mouth were exactly as they should be. Jesus took five loaves of bread. He took two fish and he fed 5,000 people. Now, I'd like to know, is there anybody in this house that you think that you could do that? The same old crotchety man lifted his hand and he stood up and he said, I believe that I could. And the young man said, how in the world do you think that you could do something like that? And the old man said, easy. I would just use the leftovers from last week's sermon. <laughs> this, is, this is an interesting story. It's not just a story. It's a historical event. It is one of two miracles that are recorded in all four of the Gospels. The other miracle is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But other than that one, this story is shared in every one of the Gospels. I think that God was trying to get something into our spirit by uh, providing this lesson to us on multiple occasions. So this morning I want to talk about the feeding of the 5,000 because 
while it is a significant miracle and it is an amazing feat that Jesus did, there obviously had to be a lesson behind it. There had to be something that Jesus was trying to get into the spirit of his disciples and those who are around him. And I believe that that same message that Jesus was trying to get into them is a pertinent message for us today. So I want to talk to, the, to you for a few moments about this, and I'm going to share three observations about this story that I think that we need to get in our spirit. And the first thing is simply this. It shows us that in every season of life, in every era, that people are typically the same. We all have challenges. Now, how many of you would be uh, honest enough to say today that I have challenges in my life? There are some things in my life that I wish I could fix. I, I, I struggle with these things every day. There are things that I just need some answers to. And likewise, this has always been the case throughout all of history. So if you don't get anything else out of the message today, know this. You're no different than anyone else. If you think you're going through a difficult time, just know that there are other people that are going through hard times as well. And in fact, there may be some who are going through worse situations than you are today. But the people's challenges were many. But they fell basically into three categories. The first was that they were emotionally spent. Now, the reason that they were emotionally spent is because they were living every day under the oppression of a wicked government. There was a king that was anti-Christian. Uh, if he heard about Christians, he would do everything that he could to silence their message and to make life harder and more difficult for them. In fact, if you put this miracle in context, you will discover that it came shortly after the death of John the Baptist. You know that story. He was in prison, and Herod's wife wanted John the Baptist dead. And so in a deal arrangement with him, uh, it, she was able to get him to declare that John the Baptist would be beheaded. And that's exactly what happened. They beheaded him. He was martyred for his faith in Jesus Christ. And his head was literally served up on a silver platter and celebrated that he was dead. So they were in an environment that was oppressive to the Christian faith. Now let me just veer off just for a moment and say to you, that we are very fortunate in the United States of America to be able to worship freely. I mean, we can come and go into this building anytime we want to, and for the most part, we can worship anywhere, anytime, in any way that we would like to worship. We do not have to labor under and worship under the same kind of guidelines and oppression that these people had to deal with. And as bad as this world can be sometimes, it is not like it is in other nations. In fact, we received word uh, just recently that, you know, we've been praying for our pastors in India because there are literally pastors who are being pulled out of their pulpit onto the streets and murdered by the government officials. And it's happening even as we speak. They're not abandoning the faith 
They're being martyred for the faith. They're saying, I'd rather die with my faith intact than to give over my faith and refuse to stand up for Jesus. So there are places around this world where people are literally oppressed simply for being a child of God. I'm thankful that we don't live in that kind of environment. But I will tell you that if the world continues to go the direction it is going, it won't be long before we will see that kind of oppression in the United States of America. And I would not be shocked or surprised if some of us would suffer oppression simply for our faith in Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to prophesy negativity, but I'm telling you that in many small ways already, we have to stand up for our faith. And it's only going to get worse before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the good news is that these people were oppressed by their government and if we are oppressed by our government or in any other way, the same Jesus that worked on their behalf is the same Jesus that will get us through as well. So they had a challenge that was emotional in nature. They were oppressed by a wicked king. They were also physically tired. They were tired. They were hungry. They were needy. We know from the passage of Scripture that there were many sick there that day. And the Scripture says that Jesus healed their sick so that we know that there were people probably that were being carried on cots. They were being carried on people's backs. There were mothers and dads that were carrying their babies in their arms just so that they could get into the presence of Jesus because they were physically sick and diseased. They were hungry. They were tired. They were just exhausted. I don't know about you, but this week has been an exhausting week for me. It's been a tiring week. I'm not complaining. I just had a lot on my plate all the way into last week. And it seems like when I get a few minutes to sit down and rest, Something else happens, and I can't rest. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to say, well, poor little pastor. We've, we've all been there. There are times in our lives when life just comes at us hard and fast and furious, and, and we get exhausted and tired in our bodies. And that's what we know is the case here. They were tired. In fact, when, when, when the Bible describes this to us, it very clearly states that they were hungry and they were tired and they needed food. So it was an emotional challenge. It was a physical challenge, but it was also a spiritual challenge. Now, it's interesting to me because as many times as I've read and studied and preached and taught on this passage of Scripture, I've never had this affect me or jump out to me like it did this time. In the King James Version, in one of the Gospels, the word perishing is used. And so this word perishing means someone who is in the process of dying. Now, we know already that Jesus was healing the sick. So if when they came, they were perishing physically, then Jesus was healing their body. So they were no longer perishing if Jesus was healing them. The fact of the matter is, is that this reference to perishing was not physical at all. It was spiritual. 
What he was saying here is that these people are perishing spiritually. And if they do not receive my forgiveness, if they don't accept me as Lord and Savior, they will perish in their sin and spend eternity absent from the presence of the Lord in hell rather than in heaven. So he says they were perishing. If you look at John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. How many of you know that we're all perishing in our bodies? It is appointed unto man once to die, but then the judgment. Jesus wasn't going to prevent them from dying. We all die. It is appointed to us when our time is up to die and leave this physical body. But I'm thankful today that because of what Jesus Christ has done for me, I don't have to worry about perishing spiritually. I have life in Jesus Christ. Amen. And so the challenge of sin has been met by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so today, I'm not dying in my sin. I am living in my freedom of the Spirit because of Christ Jesus. Amen. So the challenges were many, but not only were the challenges many, there is also a beautiful picture of the Savior's compassion. The scripture very clearly says that Jesus had compassion on them. So he healed them, he fed them, and he taught them that they could depend on him. Someone once said that compassion is love in action. Now, if we just say that we love someone, but we do not have compassion on them, we do not interact with them through love, then we're just speaking words. We don't really love them. But if we really and truly love someone, we will have compassion on them. We will do what is necessary to meet their need. We will do what is necessary to let them know that they are loved. We will do what is necessary even when, and most of the time, it will inconvenience us. But compassion does not care about inconvenience. Compassion says that if the Lord wants me to do this, then I am his representative here on the face of this earth. I am a, an epistle written in this earth for him. I'm his representative. Therefore, I should show compassion on those who need it. So Jesus had compassion on them. Now, it's interesting to me that everything that God does for us is, is smothered in love. It, it is compassion in action all around us. Jesus just doesn't keep his distance from us and say, I love you. No, he doesn't just hold himself away from us, but he has compassion on us. Now, I'm not trying to toot my horn. Uh, Donna and I, we have our things that we do at the house and she has her chores and I have some that she assigns to me that I, that I do. And, and so, you know, I try to do those things. 
And last night we were both tired, as I'd already said, and I was exhausted. And, and she said to me something to the effect, she said, I would appreciate it if you would unload and load the dishwasher before you go to bed tonight. I must have had that going to bed look on my face. Because she wanted me to do that. And you know, I heard it. It kind of went in one ear and out the other. And I, I began thinking of ways that I could not do it last night. And then do it this morning when I got up. And I'm trying to think of all of the ways that I could do that. And then how I was going to explain to her why I didn't really feel like it was God's will for me to do it last night. And so I'm going through this in my mind and trying to think my way through it. And, and finally, it just dawned on me that I could have already done it by the time I've sit here and tried to think of a way to get out of it. Now, I know you, you would never invest that much time. But trust me, men put a lot of time and effort in trying to get out of chores. They do. And that was the wrong time for you to amen. So I just wanted. And, and then it dawned on me that my wife really cares about those kinds of things. She doesn't like to get up in the morning and see a sink that is full of dirty dishes. She doesn't like to get up and not be able to found, find the counter in the kitchen and have to clean everything else up before she can get started. And she doesn't like to get up in the morning and see it and then say, I told him to do this last night. And I'm really ticked off at him already. It's not even 7.30 in the morning and I'm already aggravated with the man that I promised that I would love forever and never leave. And I begin to realize that and begin to realize that my inaction was not showing compassion to her, but instead it was selfishness. I was more concerned about myself and my own needs and being tired and exhausted than I was about taking care of her. And so I got up, I went in there, and she said, what are you doing? I, I said, I'm going to take care of my, my task here. And so I went in, and I, I'm so thankful to God. It's amazing to me. There were just a handful of dishes in the dishwasher. There weren't many in there at all. There weren't really a whole lot stacked up in the, in the sink, and so it really didn't take long at all. I, I took them out. I put them away. I, I, I wiped off the countertops. I loaded the dishwasher. I put it I, I ready to go, and I, I was so proud of myself for just going ahead and doing what I knew I needed to do. But the thing that most impressed me is that I was willing to sacrifice self in order to do something that I knew she would appreciate. Aren't you thankful today that Jesus Christ loves you so much that he would be willing to do anything that he needed to do in order to minister to your need. He is a loving God. The scripture doesn't say that God manifests love, although he does. It doesn't say that God gives you love every now and then, although he does. He lets you experience and feel his love. But the scripture just simply says that God 
is love. And since God is love, then everything that he does, everything that he says, all that he is, has love attached to it. So even when he disciplines us, and even when he has to chastise us, and even when he has to put us in time out, he doesn't do it because he's angry with you. He does it because he wants to discipline you so that you can grow in your faith in Christ Jesus. God is love, and Jesus loves you. But he doesn't love you from a distance. He is compassionate and he interacts with his people who are in need. Now the scripture says that he got away from the people. The scripture tells us that he went to a desolate place so that he could be away from the people that were in need. And he spent a little bit of time praying and meditating and and recuperating his spirit and his soul and his body. But the scripture says that when the word got out that Jesus was there and he was going to a point over here, the word got out and the people began to go there by the thousands. Now, I want you to notice that the scripture says that he fed 5,000, not counting the women and not counting the children. So most scholars would believe that it would be easy to summarize a crowd that could have been as many as 15 to 20 to 25,000 strong. And he fed them all, and the scripture says that they were satisfied. Amen. Oh, we went to, we've been going to a couple of new restaurants and we went to Mama's Barbecue down on Hurstbourne. I don't, I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but I've just been in the mood to eat something different. And so I looked at the menu and I just decided I wanted to eat something different. I was tired of the same old, same old. And they had this, they had this uh, Italian sausage grilled cheese sandwich with slaw and some kind of freaky cheese on it. And I don't know, it just looked good to me. And I said, bring me one of those. And I'm telling you, it was good enough that it made me want to slap my grandma. She'd been dead for years, but I just, in the spirit, I wanted to, it was so good. I'm telling you, when I left, I was satisfied. And it was so big that I took half of it home and put it in the refrigerator and so that I could eat it for supper. And so I was satisfied not only early, but I was satisfied late. And I'm thankful for satisfaction that can come. It was wonderful. You need to try it. And so what I'm saying is, is that Jesus did not call up White Castle. He did not call up... Uh, Taco Bell because he knew that would bomb their bellies good and they'd be sicker than they were before he had to heal them. He didn't call some caterer. He just said, what do we have? And in his compassion, he gave to them something that would satisfy them. Now again, let me remind you, it wasn't just about their physical need. It was about their spiritual need. You've heard the old saying that if you take a man fishing, you will feed him for a day. But if you teach him how to fish, 
He will, be, he, will, he will not be hungry for the rest of his life. He will be full for the rest of his life. So what Jesus was saying here is, is I'm going to take care of your need right now. I'm going to have mercy on, on you. I'm going to provide for you. But I'm going to teach you something that will keep you satisfied, not only for the rest of your natural life, but for the rest of your eternal life. Because he taught them that their dependence was upon him. Amen. I love that song we sang today that says he's our shield. He is our portion in the land of the living. Everything that we need comes from him. Every breath that we take comes from him. Every food, every morsel of food that comes to us comes through the hand of the Lord. He is merciful and good to us. He is compassionate even in our darkest days. And then there's one final thing I want to share with you this morning. And it is this. Not only do we see the people's challenges and the Savior's compassion, but we see the disciples' cooperation. Now, here's what I want to tell you today. You have to participate in God's work in your life if you want miracles to happen. We have a wrong understanding of miracles. Because we think that it's just this magical pixie dust that falls on us from heaven. But that's not true. When we operate in the principles of God, when we operate in the principles of his word, then it opens the windows of heaven so that he can pour out blessings upon us that cannot be contained. If you want to be healed in your body, there are times that you need to eat right. There are times that you need to exercise. There are times that you need to do things that you might not want to do. I believe that God gives reset moments in our lives. And you know very well the reset moment that has taken place in my life when my doctor talked to me and said, you need to live differently. And with the help of the Lord, I've been trying to eat and live differently. I've been watching my portions. I've been trying to eat less of things that I know that are not good for my body. And I've been trying to exercise and do things more that I need to do. And as a result of that, not only did I have a reset moment where my A1C went from 13 and a half to 6.3, I had a reset moment, but I also made a commitment to live for the remainder of my life in a different way. So if you want to be healed in your body, I'm not telling you that God can't miraculously heal you. I know that he can. But if he does, you better do the things that you need to do to remain healthy. If you need a financial miracle, you need to cooperate with the principles of God's word. You need to be a tither. You need to be a giver. You need to give generously and liberally. And so I don't, I don't have any extra. Well, maybe the reason you don't have any extra is because you're not tithing and giving. Because if you tithe and give in accordance with the word of God, the scripture says, test me here. Test me. Test me. Test me and see if I will not pour out a blessing upon you that you will not be able to contain. 
I've told my children many times when they've gone through difficult spots in their finances. I've told them many times, I don't mind helping when I can help, but I am not the one that you need to depend upon because my resources are limited. But if you're a tither, then when tough times come, that's when you kneel in prayer and say, Lord, I have been faithful to your word. I've been faithful to your precepts. And therefore, this is not my problem. It is your problem. And I trust you. And I believe that you will take care of the needs of my life. So if you're going to receive a financial miracle in your life, you cannot expect to receive one if you are in violation of the word of God. Now you got awfully quiet in here, but I'm just telling you have to, you have to cooperate with God's word if you want miracles to happen in your life. Some of you are in bad relationships. Some of you have people at work that you can't even hardly speak to because the, the, the relationship is difficult. And, and all I can tell you is, is that you might be the problem because if you're harboring things in your spirit against them and you're not releasing them by forgiving them, then you will not be able to be free and experience freedom in that relationship because you've got to be willing to forgive. You've got to be willing to forget that thing that happened in your life and say, God, I wouldn't want to go through it again. I, I would hope that I would never have to deal with that again. But Father, I believe that if I forgive them and set them free and loose them from this situation, not only will it free them, but it will free me as well. So what I'm saying is, is that we must cooperate with the miracle-working power of God. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but you are a distributor of God's grace and provision. You are a distributor. You have the ability to share what God has done for you and in you with other people. But if you haven't experienced the miracle and if you haven't experienced the blessing because you're not living in accordance with the word of God, but you are in violation to the word of God, if you can't experience the miracle, you'll never be able to distribute the testimony of God's grace and mercy to anyone else. You must first come under subjection to the word of God for your life, but when you do, amen, then uh, you will become a distributor of his mercy and grace. And he said to them, he said, the disciples came and they said, you know, it's getting late, Jesus, and, and they're hungry and they need some food and they need a place to stay. And so why don't you go ahead and dismiss church so that they can go get in the buffet line in town uh, because they're hungry and they need something. And Jesus looked at them and he said to them, he said, he said, why don't you give them something? Oh, that, it, isn't that funny? Why, why don't you give them something to eat? They kind of looked around at each other and said, well, we, you know, there's no way that we could do that. We don't have enough resources. There's not enough. And it's just like everybody goes through at times in life when we look at what we have and what we need. And we say, Lord, I, I, what I have is inadequate to meet the need. It just cannot meet the need. I don't have enough. But you know what I've discovered is, is that when we start obedient, uh, being obedient to the Lord and his principles, that's when the miracle begins to manifest. Yeah. 
he said to them, what do we have? They said, well, we have five loaves. We have two fishes. And he said, set them down and bring it to me. And he began to break that bread and give it to them so that they could distribute it to the 5,000 plus probably another 5,000 plus probably another five to 10,000 when you count the women and the kids that were there. Five loaves of bread. And he began to pull the bread off. And then he took those fish. And after giving bread, uh, thanks to God, he began to pull off pieces of the fish. And they began to distribute the bread and the fish. And the scripture said that after they were finished distributing the food to the people, they were satisfied. They had a to-go box. Last night we went to Mimi's. Uh, we don't ever cook at home, by the way. Those of you who know, hear my stories, we, you know, it, let me tell you something. When you get our age, uh, it's just about as cheap to eat out as it is to spend all day cooking food. That's the excuse she uses anyway. We went to Mimi's and I had, a, I had another one of those anointings on me and I ate something weird last night and it was different. And I said, man, I, I think I'm going to try that. I'm going to get that. And, and I ate it half of the sandwich and when I got halfway done, I was satisfied. You know what I mean? I, I didn't need any more. So I asked for the box and I brought it home and last night about 10 o'clock I got satisfied again. Amen. They were satisfied. They weren't begging for more. They weren't asking for more. They weren't saying, oh, God, that was, a, that was a little bit of a miracle. That was okay. But, you know, I wanted a little bit more. Give me seconds. I want another help. And no, the Scripture says they were satisfied. You say, well, maybe they were satisfied because there wasn't any food left over. Well, that's not what my Bible says because the Scripture says when they were finished eating and they were satisfied that he said, go out and pick up everything that's left over because we don't want anything to go to waste. And they brought back 12 full baskets of leftovers. Amen. Listen, God will never short circuit his miracles. He will never short supply what needs to be done in your life. If he's going to move on your behalf, he will give you everything that you have need of so that you might be satisfied. Musicians, come if you will. I'm about to quit. I so, said, well, pastor... I really do believe all this stuff. I really do. But I just don't know how to get started. Because it just seems like to me that what God is asking from me is more than I can do. Whether it's forgiving someone, or whether it's financial, or whether it's physical, whether it's emotional. Pastor, it just seems like that what God wants me to do first is more than I can provide. And let me tell you that the, the scripture explains to us when he started pulling that bread off. I wish I could explain to you how it happened. I wish we had a video of it happening. I, I wish it was on YouTube as to how it happened. I, I wish there was, a, because all I can do is just trust. And believe, but the Bible says that as they begin to break that bread and tear that fish apart, I, I don't know where it came from. I, I can't explain it to you, but all I can tell you is, is that when they started distributing, 
when they started obeying, the miracle started. It's just like the little lady who had no oil. And she said to the prophet, I have just enough oil in the bottom of my barrel to make one cake and my son and I are going to eat it and then we're going to die. He said, no. He said, we're not going to let that happen. He said, you feed me first and go get as many vessels as you can get and bring them to the house. And the scripture says that as she obeyed the command of the Lord, the oil began to flow. And the oil never ceased to flow as long as she was in obedience to the command of the prophet of God. Let me tell you, God's supply will never run dry. God, you will never get to the place where God is incapable of meeting your need. Whatever it is that you have need of today, please hear me. He is more than able to supply every need that you have. And when you are finished, your testimony will be great and mighty. Not for you, but because of him. Will you stand with me this morning? Let me just tell you that what God commands, He will enable. If He commands you to forgive someone, He will enable you to do it. If God is telling you to get off the couch and get a job and work, He will give you a job. He will give you a job. He will provide for you. If there's sickness in your body and there are things that you can do to help, not that God needs your help, but He wants you to take care of your body, He will enable you to do that. If you need a financial miracle in your life, if you will give, He will give back to you. That's what the scripture says. I'm not trying to be, in fact, I feel real good about the fact that I preached some stuff that you didn't want to hear today, but I didn't feel mean at all. I feel real good about it. I feel like I can go home today and rest and not have any bad thoughts about it because I've been asking the Lord, help me to preach truth with love. I think I did that today. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm trying to help you today. I'm trying to get you from where you are to where God wants you to be. Amen. Because there's much more that God has for you than what you're experiencing. I'm here to tell you, once you start obeying Him and walking with Him, He will indeed bless you in ways that are unimaginable to you. I believe that with all my heart. I want you to bow your heads with me if you will. Ushers, come and get yourself in place. We're going to close with communion this morning but I want to ask you this morning if you're here today and you have a need in your life and you believe with all your heart that the only way that that need is going to be met is through the power of God if that's you will you just lift your hand right where you are amen yes doesn't matter if it's emotional healing financial whatever just just lift your hands up amen now I want to pray for you right now father in Jesus name there, there are people all over this house today that lifted their hands saying that they have needs in their life that are outside of their control. They have no way to meet the need. 
that they don't have any way to bring in resources. They don't have any way to do it. But Father, we're not, we're not afraid of that scenario because we're not dependent upon our own resources anyway. We're dependent upon you. And so, Lord, I pray for those who may have raised their hand this morning and they are emotionally distressed. I pray that you will correct that relationship and that situation and that you will allow them to experience the peace of God that passes all understanding and restore unto them the joy of your salvation. Let them experience that today. Father, those who are sick in their bodies, I pray that you'll give them a reset moment of healing. You are able to divinely destroy cancer cells. You are able to fix heart valves. You are able to correct diabetes problems. You are able to fix any kind of disease or sickness that is on their bodies and give them a moment of healing and then Lord help them to do the things that they need to do to maintain that healing in their bodies I ask you to do it Lord for your glory and for their relief I pray Lord for those who are financially bound I pray that you would start a process in their life right now that will allow them to become debt free, that will allow them to have finances, uh, that will allow them to give generously, liberally, and cheerfully in their lives. I pray that you'll give them the courage to write that first tithe check. I pray that you'll give them the courage to reach out and bless and give to others in their need so that they can be blessed as well. And Lord, I pray for those who need a spiritual touch from you today. It's possible that there are those in this house today who do not know you. Father, they've never accepted you as Lord and Savior of their life. I pray, Lord, that you will allow them to accept you, to believe right now, that they might pray a prayer similar to this. Father, I believe that Jesus is who he said he was and that he did what he said he did, that he rose again, that he's seated at the right hand of the Father where he lives and intercedes for me. And right now, I accept the truth of the gospel and I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me and give me a new start right now because of Jesus Christ. Father, there's nothing too hard for you. There's nothing too difficult for you. I believe with all of my being that there are men and women who are going to walk out of this house today having been set free from the difficult challenges that they brought into this building with them today. And I give you all of the praise and the glory and the honor for it. I ask it in Jesus' name. Now, if you would just join me right where you are and lift your hands up and say, thank you, Lord, for a new start. Thank you, Lord, that you provide everything I need. Thank you, Lord.